This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, you betcha, yeah. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trump shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me as always is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. What's up? Not a whole lot. What's new with you? Just doing a lot of mourning. Celebrity deaths. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did you celebrate the 35th anniversary of Top Gun? <laughs> I actually watched Top Gun uh, maybe a month or so ago, and it's still pretty fucking good. I, uh, you know, our friend Steve across the pond mm-hmm. took a big dump on it, and uh, I don't know what he's thinking because it's fantastic. Well, Top Gun is playing at my local AMC because of this anniversary. And I just so happened to go and see it. Oh, boy. I bet it's even better on the big screen. It was weird because on Flickster, I was looking at, um, because it was at pretty much every AMC. Yeah. And they kept, it said Top Gun 3D. And, I, and I'm thinking, 3D? <laughs> so they just, <laughs> they just did 3D for the 35th anniversary? This doesn't make sense. Like I don't want to see it in 3D, but I, I guess. <laughs> You know, whatever. And I get there and they're like, all right, the theater's uh, no, number six. And I'm like, where are my glasses? And they go, oh, this isn't 3D. I go, says it is. Oh, really? And then it was like, oh, big, she had to go talk to her manager. Oh, I can't believe it says this on here. Because it was like every AMC in the metro area, basically. Yeah. So it was just, it was at the uh, Dolby Cinema. And Brett, have you ever heard Kenny Loggins at a Dolby Cinema? Uh, unfortunately not yet. Well, it is a revelation. I, I bet the Dolby cinema is like the best cinema around here. Mm-hmm. I would go there. I, it's, I have a theater that's literally a five minute drive from my apartment, but I would drive 25 minutes to go to the Dolby theater to see a movie that, you know, on that screen. Yeah. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Except for when it was fucking harley quinn (laughs) (laughs) then it was not (laughs) (laughs) no Uh, but uh you know new jack just died the original gangsta new jack i watched new jack city for the first time like a month or two ago we should do new jack city and meteor man back to back (laughs) There's similar premises. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, New Jack, if you want to know about New Jack, go check out the Dark Side of the Ring episode on New Jack from uh, the last season they did. Fascinating character. One of the most violent wrestlers in the history of wrestling. Mm. But uh, also we lost Charles Grodin. We did from 
Beethoven. I, I haven't seen too many people say of Beethoven fame, but <laughs> he's really good in that movie. And uh, Paul Mooney died. Oh, he did? When? Today? Today, the day that we're recording. 19th of May, year you of know, our Lord, 2021. Do you know that May 19th, today that, that we're recording, it is the 15th anniversary of the release of the WWE Films movie, See No Evil? Wow. <laughs> is that uh, with Kane Hodder? No, well, not sorry, not Kane Hodder. Um, Kane. Just Kane. Just Kane, but who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Uh, I don't know if they had anybody else in there that had a name. Because Kane Hodder was, you know, he played Jason in a bunch of the Friday the 13th, some of the more recent ones. Are you thinking of the Hatchet movies? Maybe. Or Yeah, I think that's Kane Hodder and uh, Hatchet 1, 2, and 3. But yeah, regardless, continue. The reason why I remember that is because they had a like a two month long storyline in uh, the WWE where Kane kept seeing the May 19th everywhere and it would drive him crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And it was it was the date that his movie was being released. (laughs) And how long has uh, the wrestling world been pumping Army of the Dead? Oh my God! Did you see that on the? Well, on I the just pay-per-view? saw like uh, something on Twitter about uh, wrestling and zombies, and I'm like, wait, they're <laughs> they're promoting <laughs> Zack Snyder's new movie? So I just you, saw this like last weekend. So yeah, this past weekend, UFC and WWE both had pay per views sponsored by Army of the Dead, and like UFC did like a vignette where they had some fighters <laughs> like going up against zombies or whatever. And then WWE on their pay-per-view had a, a match sponsored by Army of the Dead. And it was a lumberjack match. And, and so in a lumberjack match, if you don't know, uh, there's the it's a one-on-one match. And then outside the ring, there's a bunch of other wrestlers. So that if you leave the ring, the lumberjacks on the outside, they're supposed to throw you back in. So you can't like run away. You know, like you, you have to stay in the ring. Well, the lumberjacks were zombies and since they're in the thunderdome which is just a bunch of led screens they they put all the led screens uh images of like the wasteland mm-hmm. and so they, they had a zombie lumberjack match and two wrestlers may or may not have been eaten <laughs> and then after the match the winner started walking out you know, down the, the entrance ramp, but he turns around and he points up at the scoreboard and on the video screen on the scoreboard, it says army of the dead. <laughs> it was so blatant. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> oh, WWE just, you know, respecting the sport of professional wrestling mm-hmm. by having zombies. So yeah, they went really hardcore with their marketing for Army of the Dead. All right. Well, yeah, it's been a minute since our last episode. This will probably won't get posted until next week. We've got a lot of stuff going on right now. So between now and the end of June, I think I would only expect two more episodes. Uh tops. 
probably probably the rookie and another recently seen episode. But in once a, once July and August happens, yeah. In addition to today's, once uh, July and August hit, though, we should be back to a more normal schedule. Yeah, and I, I'll probably be back on the A list at that point. Oh, that's right. I think uh, my A list renews or it re-ups in July, unless I do it earlier, which I probably will as soon as they strike down their fascist mask mandate. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh yeah, there was three movies at the AMC that I would have paid to see when I was in there. Although I paid to see Top Gun, so it was, <laughs> 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 it was uh doesn't uh isn't very relevant right now, but um yeah, Wrath of Man and uh those who wish me dead would have paid to see so it seems like there's you know slowly but surely there's some movies coming back to the cineplex that at least mildly interest me i saw people on twitter noting that fast and the furious nine is going to be three hours and 23 minutes long it is (laughs) apparently (laughs) three Three hours and 23 minutes that that would take away too many show times. I don't know. They uh well they're probably taking all the screens that they were showing old movies on or these, you know, lower budget ones that kind of snuck in there while everybody else was taking the you know the year off. I guess. But I mean I could see them doing like three hours, but only for like the tenth or eleventh, you know, supposedly the last one or yeah. ones. Not like the third for blast. <laughs> Maybe they're doing realistic travel times, unlike in Hobbs and Shaw, where they flew to Russia and then from Russia to Samoa in like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't even dark by the time they got there. <laughs> Although I guess they were going west, so it, they're it's faster because that going back in time because of the way the world spins. <laughs> they were going backwards in time <laughs> because they were going against the rotation of the Earth. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, today we are doing the Charles Bronson flick 10 to Midnight. That's right. I got to give credit to the Midnight Movie Cowboys for uh, hyping this movie up for like months on end on their program and Twitter. Um, yeah, on uh, I think on their Facebook group, which you are not a part of. It's actually a reason to get Facebook for you. A lot of fun discussion happens on there, but um, I think it was in there that somebody posted the pic of Bronson waving the the Jackoff machine around <laughs> the interrogation room. It was like a picture of that, and I forget somebody captioned it or whatever. And then there was a discussion, and I hadn't seen Ten a Minute yet, so I just figured it was some Bronson movie I hadn't seen yet. You know, then I come to find out, ooh. After watching Ten to Midnight, oh, I know where that's from now. <laughs> it's uh, quite good. I'm not like a huge Bronson fan, but like I really liked this movie, Ten to Midnight. Mm, yeah, he's uh, it's pretty solid, sneaky good. Because I hadn't really heard of it much until you had suggested it for this slate of movies about cops. Right, and like I said, 
the Midnight Movie Cowboys is really where I first kind of heard people talk about it. I think I had seen it, like it had come up on like TCM or something a few times, and I I just never got around to watching it. Um, but like they motivated me to take a look at it. And uh, here we are. We're going to dedicate a whole episode to it. Mm-hmm. Always great content on the Midnight Movie Cowboys. A lot of fun. A lot of good suggestions as well. Because they've seen everything between them all. <laughs> well, well, maybe between them all. I know uh, certain co-hosts are, uh, you know, there's like a, a moment in time where they stopped watching new movies unless yeah, they came yeah, out I guess I Asia. should qualify that. Like, <laughs> they've seen everything... Before 2000, 2001. <laughs> like combined, they may have, like between the three of them, they may have seen everything, but individually, <laughs> I know there's some some blank spots there. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, let's get into the details. He's directed by J. Lee Thompson, starring Charles Bronson as Leo Kessler, Lisa Eilbacker or Betcher as Lori Kessler. Uh, you would also know her as Jenny Summers from Beverly Hills Cop, uh, Axel's friend in Beverly Hills. I don't remember anything from that movie other than <laughs> not, not really liking it. <laughs> Blasphemy. I could have chosen that one, but save that for another time. Uh, Andrew Stevens is Paul McCann. Gene Davis is Warren Stacy. Jeffrey Lewis is Dave Dante. Wilfred Brimley as Captain Malone. Robert F. Lyons as Nathan Zagger. Kelly Preston as Doreen. R.I.P. Kelly Preston. I think it's been about a year now, maybe. Maybe last summer. Yep, since John Travolta killed her. <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> not, not even allegedly. Yeah, I know, but I had to qualify your statement. Get us be throwing out accusations like that without allegedly. Because allegedly, anything is possible. She died as soon as that fanatic movie came out, <laughs> and then he followed up with Gotti. And like, no, I can't live anymore. Uh. Gina Keough. I wonder if she's related to Riley Keough. Arthur Hansel as the judge. Let's see. Anyone else you want to mention? Uh, I think that's pretty much all the main people. I don't think there was anybody that I really recognized as like a cameo or a smaller role. Yeah. So synopsis is an LAPD detective and his rookie partner are on the trail of a psychotic or excuse me a psychopathic young man who is murdering young women and boy is he that he is <laughs> Cause somebody if somebody does this the knife is their penis <laughs> <laughs> this would be a good double feature to show with uh slumber party massacre <laughs> It's true. Just drill it into women. <laughs> it's a metaphor. It's subtle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, after discovering his his MO, 
I was thinking, like, I don't think I've seen a naked killer before. No. I've seen Viggo Mortensen in a naked fight in a bathhouse. <laughs> Somehow not a gay bathhouse, though. Like a well, normal it was, bathhouse? It was, a, it was a Russian bathhouse. He's <laughs> in the Russian bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Just like there's no gay people in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what they tell us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was uh, something new. You reminded me of this movie with uh, oh, what's it called? There's a movie where uh, uh, Jerry Stiller's in it. It's from the early '80s. It's set in a bathhouse, and like Big F. Murray Abraham is in there, and uh, mm. I forget who the main character is, but like this guy's father-in-law dies, and then. His wife's brother vows revenge on him, like he wants to kill him. And and the wife's brother is Jerry Stiller, mm. and it's it's pretty hilarious. Let me see if I can find it. It's got nothing to do with any of this other than you talked about bathhouses, and it remind me of it. <laughs> I'll find the name. But uh, yeah, he uh, gets a lot of naked killing in, and I'm sure at the time it was pretty smart because this is before dna still you know they use blood type to match you know blood types but i would i would think that wouldn't you know you would need some more evidence than just a blood type unless you know i mean i'm sure his blood blood type wasn't a b i think hers was a b right i forget um we'll get to it in the in the story but she also had hepatitis that was another yeah. thing that they, they used. It's gone dormant. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so he's not leaving any fibers from his clothes there. And he's wearing plastic like gloves. He's wearing gloves so he doesn't leave uh, fingerprints. But I'm thinking he's, le- yeah, he's leaving a lot of footprints around if he's doing it out in the woods. Right, exactly. Now I can't you you can fake like shoe sizes and go up or down a couple of shoe sizes, maybe, and say, well, see, I don't wear a size 13. I wear an 11. Right. <laughs> shoe don't fit. You must have quit. Well, I, I, it, it occurred to me later, like, so I don't know if we want to just jump into his first murder. Yeah, we can. Um, so like his alibi is he goes to see Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid at the movie theater. And uh, spoilers if you've never seen that movie because they spoil <laughs> it. <laughs> but um, he, uh, so he, his alibi is he harasses some women at the theater, you know, and tries to like pick up a girl. And then, you know, he, he insults them or whatever and uh, they go sit somewhere else. But like he's been noticed. And then once the movie starts, he goes to the bathroom and he just climbs out the window and then he's like on the roof, like the window goes out to the roof of the theater. And then he like climbs down into the alley. And then, um, you know, his, his victim that he's already picked out is a woman who's rejected him. And she's gone out into the woods to have sex in a van with her boyfriend. And, uh, all of a sudden, he just pops up outside their van, butt-ass naked, <laughs> with a knife. And she notices him through the window. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, 
the he kills the boyfriend and she runs away and um there's a little chase which is kind of hilarious because he's but as naked she is too i guess so um, yeah i remember the the actor or i should say the, the actor that played warren looked familiar but i looked at his filmography and nothing really jumped out at me like oh that's what i'm thinking of he just has one of those faces i think that is a little similar to other 80s actors of the time i think so yeah oh i also wanted to mention that this is a canon film the logo or the the canon group inc comes up at the beginning in the opening credits and i go all right i'm in for a ride here <laughs> this is a canon film. i had no idea I didn't either. I don't think I, I can't remember if I noticed that or not. Um, it's been a little bit since I watched it, but mm. there's oh, that. By the uh, way, I found that bathhouse movie. It's called the Ritz. <laughs> it's uh, Jack Weston. Rita Moreno is in it. She's a performer at the, the bathhouse and everybody thinks she's a tranny. Cause <laughs> 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 I think it's all gay dudes there. And she's the only woman, so they just assume that she's like a drag queen. <laughs> Putting on the Ritz. It's actually hilarious because everybody like thinks this dude's gay, but he's just hiding out for the night, you know, to get away from his brother-in-law. <laughs> Anyways, um, 10 to midnight. Yeah, um, I just finished up my thought that you know, the Canon group, Inc., don't forget the ink. There's a fascinating documentary about it. I think it's still on Netflix. The Canada, the it's what the untold story of Canon Films. I forget what the that's like the that's after the colon title. I forget the first part of the title, but anyways, there's a great documentary on it. And actually, speaking of Midnight Movie Cowboys, they did a whole episode on that as well. They have a lot of good uh, info and insight into the Canon Films of the '80s and now defunct film studio. But they did a lot of cheesy stuff in the 80s. Yes, I, I've heard. Uh, they ruined I, Superman I, with Superman 4. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I haven't seen 3 since I was a kid, but I always hear 3 sucks too. Was, which one was the one with um, Richard Pryor? Wasn't he that was in three. 3? Yeah, that was 3. The only thing I know about, I can't remember if I've even seen Superman 3. I just know that in Office Space, they claim that their scheme was the same as the one in that movie. Mm-hmm. I forget, we've done one or two canon films in the past. I forget what they are right now, but, you know, especially towards the late 80s, I know there was a lot of times where it was like, well, we're going to give you this amount of money for the movie. And then they'd have a movie that would open in the theater and it did, maybe it did well one weekend and go, Hey, here's some extra money for your movie. Or if it didn't do well, we're like, well, now we're cutting your budget. This is what all happened in real time. Like they're trying to make this film and the budget is changing by the week. (laughs) Just, just based on how the previous film is doing in the theater. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a way to do your business. (laughs) It's not very (laughs) professional, but it's a way. I mean, uh, the main yeah, reason why they went budget. bankrupt. I think Superman 4 also played a part in that. But anywho, yeah, let's get back to 10 to Midnight and this naked killer. 
I mean, he kind of looks like a uh, young Mr. Belding. You think so? A little bit. He's uh, he's some kind of unspecified Latino. Yeah, call me Pedro. I'm thinking, are you? Are you really? <laughs> call me Pedro I because I got a big, I got the biggest Peter than you <laughs> ever seen. Spanish for Peter, and I got a big one. <laughs> He's also got bullfighting posters in his room in Spanish. Yeah. So that's how you know. That's a dead giveaway, brother. Yeah. When he said Tijuana, he said Tijuana. So he must be legit. So, yeah, uh, my first couple of notes are just about canon and then kind of the, the credits and the music. It's all very 80s. And because yeah, there's some really electronic, like instrumental uh, score. And then. My next note is the killer's game is terrible. Now he is just terrible with women. Well, that's why he's got to kill them. <laughs> yeah, I know, but <laughs> like at the theater, like I know it's smart to talk to those girls at the theater because, you know, people can place in there, you know, it helps his alibi, but he is just uh, the worst. And especially later, like when he's on the phone, I know we'll get to it later, but when he's talking to her and, She's trying to keep him on the line and she's like, all right, where'd you like to meet? And then he's like, it just flusters him. And he's like, what do you mean? Oh, what are you talking about? I'm not going to, not going to meet you bitch or don't fuck with me, bitch or something like that. And it's just like, he has no intention of ever meeting these women. He just wants to yell at them or get them to hate him and then kill them. Right. He has no intention. Like he, he, he doesn't know what to do when they reciprocate. Like, uh, you know uh affection mm -hmm. if you want to call it that but like he, he doesn't know what to do when they respond positively to his dirty phone calls yeah he's not an incel he's a cell <laughs> <laughs> because i mean definitely he could have you know had sex with a prostitute or you know any other prostitute before or after you know the storyline in the movie right well i get not after but <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, but I mean, he could, he could, he could have slept with, with somebody, but apparently he just liked that machine too much. That fake skin, mouth, jaw thing—that was a weird shape. I don't know what that was. It was like on a drill or something. Like I don't yeah. know what the deal was. I guess you know it's the the precursor to a flashlight. Yeah. But I don't think you can put this thing in the dishwasher. I think you would ruin it. <laughs> he just had it sitting out in his bathroom. <laughs> I guess he didn't expect company. <laughs> you know, with his porno. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they do kind of a weird, like, flashback type thing of him, like, remembering his interaction with this girl that he's killing at the beginning of the movie. And, like, she's like throws coffee at him because he's a super fucking creepy and yeah it's uh, just her rebuffing his advances but like so at that point i'm thinking oh like, well he just asked her out she turned him down and he got pissed and but it's like and then you watch the rest of the movie you're like well <laughs> even if she would have accepted that would just infuriated him more yeah i think he would have you know he didn't know what to do you know if he was uh successful 
Anyways, he sneaks back into the the, ba- the bathroom at the theater when uh, when he's done, and you know it occurred to me after the fact like, did he not get blood on his skin? Like, did he go like wash off in the lake or something? Like, how did he get all that off of himself before he put his clothes back on? Did he go <laughs> home and shower? <laughs> Yeah, comes, I, I don't know. That is a bit of a well. There could have been a river nearby that we just maybe. didn't see. But because he comes back and he's just got his gloves in a Ziploc bag, and mm-hmm. he flushes it and it goes down. I'm surprised it flushed, you know, all the way down on the first yeah. try. Especially with those old toilets, I'm thinking those crummy old, you know, <laughs> bathrooms at the fucking movie theater. Yeah. And then. uh is it the next scene where uh, I have it written where Wilfred Brimley is very annoyed with the press and it looks like he needs an insulin shot <laughs> for his diabetes? <laughs> He's great in here, Wilfred Brimley. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, they're inspecting the crime scene. and The one reporter was like inside the police line, wasn't he? Like, yeah. Like, how did I think they had some cameras in there too? Like, Aren't they supposed to stand behind the tape? Well, it's a, it was a big open park or open woodsy area. But they did have a police tape, yeah. you know, up there to, to keep the crime scene clear. But uh, I guess, you know, they just let the, the media walk in and, you know, do what they want. They have a right to know, Brett. <laughs> How dare this guy do journalism? This is, you know, back when they actually had to, you know, have sources and information and, you know, real facts before they printed anything. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, whoever could get their tweet out first. Yeah. But uh, this is where we meet uh, McCann. Mm-hmm. And uh, wet behind the ears, he's McCann. introduced as uh, as uh, Leo Kessler is inspecting the crime scene and he sees some gum on the ground. And McCann walks up and he says, Oh, that's mine. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> yeah, it's mine. <laughs> just throwing gum around the crime scene. <laughs> I like how he puts the gum in his, in his shirt pocket, too. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to like clean it out. Like those uh what material is that suit? Um brain fart. Like tweed. Yeah, it's like a tweed jacket. So there's a lot of lot of grooves for that gum to get stuck in. Not the best start to their relationship, but um No. It's the next scene. Uh, so they got the uh, they do the autopsy almost immediately, mm-hmm. or I, I guess the preliminary examination by the medical examiner. And, um, you know, he he tells his theories, and then um, Kessler is just like, I could have told you that. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we get the line about, uh, you know, like, how did you know there was an forcible entry? Well, a guy does something like this. His knife has got to be his penis. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, Charles Bronson, he's the way he pronounces certain words is just 
amazing to me. Yeah, like, he has his own accent. Like after they they go, you know, talk to the medical examiner, him and McCann go to inform the next of kin that uh, the woman had died. And Leo's telling this story about how he used to live in the neighborhood and there used to be a drugstore there. But but the pharmacist got arrested for using his own morphine. You know? <laughs> he says morphine. Like he, he says it's really weird. Like I've never heard anybody pronounce morphine that way before. There is some strange and terrible acting in this movie. <laughs> um specifically uh was it when the the roommate or one of the friends answers the phone like oh no betty's dead oh yeah that was her boss i think it was her boss yeah (laughs) who is this (laughs) i was like oh this is uh these are some canon actors right here they paid all they paid bronson all the money (laughs) well brimley too i guess yeah but uh yeah like so like he goes and tells the parents and like he knows the parents because his daughter was friends with the woman who died and then yeah they call the the woman's office where warren the killer works as Mm -hmm. a he like cleans typewriters but like everybody that works there other than him is a woman like in their 20s yeah (laughs) except for the boss who's probably in her 40s or something Mm-hmm. And yeah, that great phone call. Oh no, who is this? Oh no, oh no. And then she just goes out and yells to everybody on the floor, Betty's dead. <laughs> they, all, they all rush up to her. What the, what's going on? <laughs> but even there, Warren was creeping on, you know, he had returned a, a typewriter to one of the women. And then he was just like sitting there staring at her. She's like, yeah, yeah. It, you can go now. We're coming up on our first clip here pretty quick, but we're going to get into the, the diary. Well, the, I mean, we can go to the funeral if you want. I think the funeral's next, right? Yeah. Well, we can go to the funeral, but you know, they, they go and talk to uh, Betty, the victim's roommate, who is Karen. And uh, she talks about all the guys that uh, Betty fucked. And then there's this one guy who used to call with a Spanish accent. And she didn't go to bed with him. But like he always, like, like these people don't think this is pertinent to anything. Like, oh, by the way, we get dirty phone calls like twice a week from this guy with a Spanish accent. Just some creep. Do you think that could have anything to do with her getting murdered? <laughs> <laughs> well, conveniently, she keeps a... Uh... A diary of every man she dates and the extensive details of each person. It's less of a diary and more of an inventory. Yeah. <laughs> like like receipts. <laughs> 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 and not just not the cheap uh or the, the short Twitter receipts either. Like this girl has receipts. This is like the CVS receipts. <laughs> It's because she has so many dudes that she's been with that she forgets, and she's got all like, okay, what's your name again? Okay, let me see if we've fucked already. I'm surprised no, she doesn't have it. like yeah, 10 diaries. 
<laughs> yeah, the way they, they make alphabetized it alphabetized them. It sounds they make it sound like she's a real whore. <laughs> real <laughs> whore. <laughs> <laughs> She'll go to bed with everybody except for Warren, because Warren's a creep. Mm-hmm. You know, middling attractive guy that's in amazing shape. <laughs> <laughs> he really is in good shape, but he's kind of <laughs> short. He's kind of short. I think that's what it is. No. Plus, you know, as the early eighties, you know, they they're probably a little racist back that's then. That's right. Eh? As Charlie Murphy said, it was a time where the dude who looked like most like a bitch was getting all the women. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Free was a dude. <laughs> hey, you see that new girl in Charlemagne? That's a dude, man. Let's make it free. <laughs> this when he's saying that, like it's showing some dude is who's got makeup on, like some rouge, and he's got like a flock of seagulls haircut and like mascara and eyeliner and some like purple, like Just kind spandex, of feminine spandex, feminine yeah. suit type thing. <laughs> That's dude. true. You guys look most like a bitch is getting all the way. <laughs> <laughs> so you got some alpha male type dude. Girls aren't having it. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, so so Kessler and his partner show up to the funeral. Warren's at the funeral. Kessler's daughter is at the funeral. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, afterward, they're all kind of chit-chatting and Warren's just out there creeping, you know, which I thought was kind of a cool, uh, they did kind of a POV shot from Warren's perspective. Yeah. And uh, I guess once you kind of figure out that's what they're doing, it makes more sense. But like people kept walking in front of the camera, like they're showing McCann and, uh, uh, Lori Kessler talking to each other and uh, but there's like extras just walking in front of the camera and somebody like literally stands in the middle of the shot yeah. <laughs> it's like what the fuck are you doing get out of the way like you're in the shot and then you realize oh that's Warren's point of view like he's, yeah, he's trying to tell stay they were really going for a like a Halloween vibe or Friday the 13th early 80s you know those slashers are all the rage now yeah, you know, a little POV, some POV shots. It's obligatory. But yeah, so this is where they find out about the diary. And uh, Warren overhears it too. So he's got to go to Karen's place and Get look undressed. for the diary. <laughs> <laughs> is all he always has to get undressed and like nobody's see him, seeing him sneak around naked like, in and out of the house and whatnot. Or, and she's but, making eggs. Yep. And uh, actually, he he gets in there before she does, right? And then he's hiding yeah. in the closet, mm-hmm. which might be a little wink, wink. <laughs> 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 but he waits till she starts making her eggs, and then he sneaks up on her and just. I was wondering where Kelly guts. Preston was. Was that her? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> just saying she was in the closet hanging out with her husband. <laughs> Oh, allegedly. 
Allegedly. <laughs> well, he needed some company while he's in there. I'm not saying she was in there. I was saying she was, but not for the reasons you would think. She's trying to get him out. She's trying to coax him out. Like I'm gonna sit in here for with a little while, uh, with you for a while, little while. But we gotta get out of here. This is embarrassing. Gotta come out of the closet. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, geez. South Park episode is pretty good. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not in the closet. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> oh, so Karen gets it. You know, she's getting ready to go on a date. She had to go on a date to forget all the negativity of the day of the funeral and stuff. Maybe we should say Warren sticks it to her. He sure does. <laughs> do you think of the do you think she started a fire? She had eggs on the fucking griddle. I can't didn't the, he turn it off? I thought maybe he turned it off. Did he? I can't I think remember. He turned he the the uh the gas off. But I don't know. It seems like a fire hazard. If he left it on, it would have been a fire hazard. Mm-hmm. But the nightstand table, you know, and then, you know, they're roommates, but they shared a bedroom. Did you find that odd? Yeah. And then even in like at the end, like uh, Lori's place, there's like four women living there at least. It was like the it weirdest. Seemed, it was like a. It seemed like a similar type of. It was almost like it was like a dorm situation, which I think it was called like a dorm. It was like the but, world's largest dorm room. But like they weren't even students anymore, right? Weren't they, or were they just like practicing or doing kind of like a, a residency type of thing? Even though I don't think nurses ever did that, but I I don't know what their situation. Maybe they was. were working and learning at the same time interning maybe i don't know yeah yeah it was very strange the whole living situation with all these women but yeah that's why people are going out into the woods to have sex (laughs) i guess so it makes sense big conversion bands because yeah they had one big bedroom with two beds in it Mm -hmm. and then there's a table in like a nightstand table in between which is locked and Warren's like digging at it with his knife for about 20 minutes. Finally pries it open. And uh, she's got a box that says diary on it, but it's empty. So what does he do? He goes to the market and then goes home. (laughs) Picked up some groceries. Went for a walk. Where Kessler and McCann are waiting for him with some questions. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, they tried to trick him a few times. You know, like Kessler asked him, like, where were you on the ninth? And he's like, oh, I was at the movies. He's oh, what about the seventh when the murder happened? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I thought you meant it was when the murder happened. I didn't think of what date it was. <laughs> like, why would you ask me what I was doing on a different night? <laughs> uh, that's a part of our first clip. Here it is. What's that? This is Betty's diary. We got it from her roommate. But she kept what you might call a graphic record of her experiences. For instance, so conceited that when he said that I want to go to bed with him, it was like he was doing me a favor. It's Larry Williams. You know him? No. Always talking about his Corvette and cabin cruiser, but never once bothered to mention having a wife. George Latham. You know him? No. 
Good looking, but what a creep. Makes my skin crawl. I told him to get lost. Creep called me up again. Creep asked me to the office picnic. I said I had a date. He said I was lying. That made me mad. I said I wouldn't go with him if he was the last man alive. You know who that is? I'll give you a hint. You. They say one shouldn't speak ill of the dead. But the truth is, she was not a nice person. No morals at all and terrible manners. Well, I know what you mean. Man can only take so much abuse before he strikes back. That's not what I mean. Where were you on the night of the 6th? At the Arrow Theater. Well, Betty Johnson was murdered on the night of the 7th. I assumed you meant the night of the murder. Anybody see you there? The cashier, the manager, a couple of girls I talked to. What was the movie? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, the one with Newman and McQueen, huh? Newman and Redford. Shall I tell you the rest of the cast? What it's about? Nah, that's not necessary. These are games we play with just about everybody. Nothing personal. Can I use your bathroom? Help yourself. So yeah, he just goes and snoops around in his bathroom. <laughs> Finds the uh, masturbation device. And uh, he's, he's just got pornography just lying around there in, in the bathroom too. Well, that's bathroom rating. There's articles in there, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, a lot um, of our uh, clips are kind of clustered together because our next clip is from the next scene, but you can uh, want to talk about something else first. Well, they have to leave when uh, the chief calls them after they found Karen mm-hmm. um, dead in her apartment. And um, yeah, so from there, they, they use that to bring in Warren for questioning. He's not under arrest yet. He's just being questioned. Yeah. And as we mentioned, they ask him about, like, what did you do after the funeral? He's like, oh, I went to the market. Oh, but for three hours, I might have went for a walk. You know, <laughs> like he's got an excuse for everything. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, oh yeah, while they're in there too, they bring in the girls from the uh, the movie theater at the beginning. Yeah, and they identify Warren and they back up his alibi. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the best part of this is obviously when Bronson gets <laughs> mad. Like he's mad because he knows they're gonna let him go, and so he just with <laughs> brings out the fucking the jackoff toy, just, and then he asks him like, "How many times has you been, you know, had sex?" and <laughs> just steals it from his apartment. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> Where did you go after the funeral? I went for a walk. Oh, you went for a walk. Why? I was upset. I felt bad. About what? When someone you know is murdered, maybe you feel good. I don't. I feel bad. Even about a girl who was such a bad person? No morals, no manners? Warren, you ever been arrested? No. You ever taken a juvenile court? For 
breaking your neighbor's window and throwing a dead animal inside. A cat. I was 12 years old. Stupid thing to do, but I was angry. I'd been punished. Oh, sure, sure, for hurting the neighbor's daughter. You cut her with a knife. It was an accident. You like hurting girls? I won't answer that. Stay home. All right. Look at him. That's the fellow you saw on your shore. Yes, of course. What was he wearing? A red jacket and jeans. Designer jeans. He looked very neat. He was repulsive. He's not asking questions. He's making charges. Arrest for a minute. When did you see him? Outside, before the movie, and then when he sat down by me. By us. And afterward, on the way out. I saw this guy before, during, and after the movie. You sure about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm positive. Right. Did you ever take her out, Warren? I drove her to work a few times. That's all. Just not your type, huh? Her boyfriend objected, so I stopped. The girls you talked to in the movie theater, were they your type? No. Thanks, kids. You can go home now. When's the last time you made it with a girl, Warren? That's not last your... Last week, last month, last year. I refuse to answer. Never. You never made it with a girl because girls won't have anything to do with you, but you get back at them, don't you? Betty and Karen and God knows how many more. I won't listen to your filth. I won't listen What's to this, you. Warren? Warren, do you recognize this? Leo, What's that, Warren? You ever see one of these before? What's it used for? What's the matter? Cat got your tongue? It's for jacking off, isn't it? And these pictures, you recognize the girls on the pictures, Warren? Look at them. Look at them, Warren! Look at them! Warren. Look at them. Look at them. Stop! Let me hold it! Go home, kid. Get him out of here. Then you better quit while you're ahead. Now get him out of here. Bronson just... He, he doesn't live by the department's rules. It really this is his own rules for everything. It really does become a commentary on uh, the justice system and, you know, the whole... Because he, he brings it up a, a few times. Like it, it's, it used to be about what was... God, what does he say? Now it's about what's legal. It used to be about what's right. Or something like yeah. that, and uh, so like there's there's always loopholes that criminals can use to get out of, uh, you know, being found guilty, and you know suppressing evidence and and things like that, and uh, police procedures have to be followed, you know, very specific way, otherwise it's inadmissible and it basically, you know, lets the guy walk free, and. Um, We'll see that later, but uh, Bronson's from the old school where it's like, you know, you know, you just, you know, mm-hmm. fucking get the guy. Yeah, this it's kind of funny to me because the Bronson's right, of course, but he bases this all uh, you know, off of a hunch in the beginning because the dude has a rock salad alibi. <laughs> right. These women saw him before, during and after the movie, even though they didn't really see him during technically. But that's what they tell the cops because Brimley's like, you're sure? 
You yeah. saw him before, during, and after the movie. And they go, yep. So he literally couldn't have done the murders <laughs> going by the evidence. If that was true, yes. And he has no other evidence that he's, I mean, the guy's a creep, but that's it's it. All, it's all circumstantial. <laughs> it's all it's circumstantial. Like, he's creepy. He's just he like, no, fuck him. this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he knows it's him because he, <laughs> he uses that thing to jack up. It's for jack it off. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess he would probably have a connection to, well, at least two of the Betty and Karen. And yeah. then they said there was at least one other victim previously that kind of fit the same MO, but mm-hmm. there might be other ones too. But yeah, like, it's it, Bronson knows his shit. But like he can't prove it. It's not what you know, it's what you can prove. <laughs> right? Running theme here, I guess. Two movies <laughs> in a row. And it just goes to show it works both ways. Mm-hmm. It works both ways. Like, <laughs> it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. Yeah, so what's next? I'm trying to think of our next clip here. Oh, the phone call. Because it's pretty yeah. soon after this, he does the phone call as well. The first phone call. Lori. yeah yeah Lori remembers she comes to visit her dad at the police station and he blows her off <laughs> he sends McCann to go talk to her <laughs> and she gets all mad but um, she remembers that Betty was scared of Warren because he was always talking about getting even and and now she thinks you know oh that might be useful information in the case I was surprised at how cool he was with his partner trying to bang his daughter well, I don't think he and his daughter had much of a relationship, you know. But the, it was, you know, trying to go that way. Well, kind of, but he also was using her to solve this murder case. You know? Yeah. Because he just happened to know the victim. And it was, you know, the especially when they kind of cut off contact for that little bit towards the end. He's so sad and seemed like it was, you know, supposed to work out. Well, although now that uh, now that I think about it, you know, I think you might be partly right because he kind of got sentimental after he told Betty's parents that she had been killed because Betty and Lori had been friends growing up. And so mm-hmm. he's like, oh, like, if it could happen to her, it could happen to my kid. I should probably spend a little more time with her. But uh, mostly I'm going to use her to solve this crime. we're gonna use her as bait Mm -hmm. because warren starts going after Lori for some reason it's to get after uh to get back at kessler right i think so starts going after Lori. but uh yeah and he he starts up the the dirty calls almost immediately and uh, we have both of them here is the first one How's it going? How are you? Well, I'm fine. Who's this? You don't know me. But I know you. You're beautiful. 
I love you. Well, what good does it do to love me if I don't know who you are? Quiero mamarte la ponocha. What does that mean? Means I want to eat your pussy. You give me blowjob. I give it to you in the ass. How about it, baby? You have reached a disconnected number. This is a recording. Who was that? Just some creep. I still don't get why she did that whole. This is a recording. Like, why'd she just tell him to fuck off or just hang up the phone? Um, I can only think that maybe the first part of the conversation was obviously not a recording or a robotic <laughs> voice of of any kind. <laughs> Especially since her friend answered it, asked who he wanted to talk to, and then gave yeah. it to her. <laughs> I guess I could think maybe she doesn't like, it's just a way to make him think that that's a wrong number or something. Or <laughs> no, like, like, like he, like, like she's not home, but like, like you said, like it doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> like he'd have to be, you know, stupid to think that, <laughs> Oh, that number's disconnected. She doesn't live there anymore. Who have I been talking to this whole time? There's two you know, different voices. <laughs> You know, listening back to that call, he kind of reminded me of Randy, uh, Manny Rivera from Scarface. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, Look Manny at that can, tongue, man. He can do the he can do the really quick the quick twitch tongue. I don't know if this Pedro guy can. He's gonna he's gonna watch my friend over here. He's gonna go stick his tongue out to that woman. Oh, it's so gross! Look like at a that fucking tongue, man. like a fucking lizard. <laughs> Oh boy! Now, do you have the second one right away, or you want to talk about their <laughs> when they go to lunch at the the hospital, and uh, she just oh by the way she does a oh by the way I got a dirty phone call from Mexican a Mexican guy. Um, but there's one of the funniest scenes in here is they're going through the lunch line, and. Mm-hmm. Like they're both picking out food. Like, well, the three of them are picking out food. Uh, it's uh, Kessler, Lori, and McCann. And yeah. Kessler's <laughs> grabs that's a, the next clip. Yeah, he grabs a quiche and a coleslaw, and then like they go up to to check out, and uh, he's like making fun of his daughter's lunch, and she's like, "Look what you got! You got a quiche and a coleslaw!" And like his reaction is priceless. Why else would I want to be a nurse? Listen, if you hit a snag or anything, let me know. I can pull a few strings. I know the superintendent. Dad, you didn't come all the way down here to tell me that. Now, what's on your mind? Can't I be interested in how you're doing? Sure. Just don't pull any strings, okay? No. Is that all you're going to eat? Yeah, well, it's all I have time for. I only have a few minutes. I'm paying for both. Uh... Paying for three. It's some lunch, Dad. Coleslaw and quiche. I hate quiche. Then why did you take it? I thought it was pie. And coleslaw makes me sick. <laughs> I don't know how far uh, uh, past this it is, but he he finishes it up with this place is an ulcer factory. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the the cashier chimes in. Then why did you take it? (laughs) (laughs) 
like like she's the maddest about him taking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So Lori invites McCann to a party at her place later that night, but he says no, I I, I can't do it until she says, oh, by the way, I'm getting Spanish <laughs> dirty calls. He's like, oh yeah, you know you know what? I am free tonight. <laughs> so he goes and they hook up a. Uh, like a, a phone tap on her phone mm-hmm. so they can record the call. And uh, yeah, he just says, keep him on the line. And this is where Warren kind of gets out of his depth because uh, he doesn't know how to react to uh, positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hi, baby. What's doing? How you been? Oh, uh, it's you again. How about we get together, huh? What you say? Well, I don't usually go out with, uh, strangers, uh. What'd you say your name was? Call me Pedro. That means Peter. I got the biggest one you ever seen. Well, that's, uh, nice to know. What'd you have in mind, Pedro? I take you to a motel. We do it every way there is. How you like it? Up, down, front, back. Whatever suits you, amigo. Uh, where where should I meet you? Why you say? Well, tell me, tell me what hotel, and I'll meet you there. Like hell you will. Don't fool with me, bitch. Well, I, th- I thought you loved me. Kiss my ass, cunt. I love to stick it to you. That's what I love. Your father's a pig. Your mother's a whore. Who told you that's uh, supposed to be a secret? I wouldn't piss on the best part of you if you was on your knees begging for it. I think the line is, if you were on fire. <laughs> well, maybe he's from the R. Kelly school of thought. I wouldn't piss on you, on the best part of you, if you were on your knees begging for it. <laughs> That's. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, I I wonder if he got freaked out because he thinks that she's, like, engaged the police, on you know, in, in this after the first call, or if he's just doesn't know how to react to somebody saying, yeah, let's go meet up. Like, he, he it was so out of the blue that he didn't know how to react. But mm-hmm. I wonder, too, if he, he felt like he was being, you know, entrapped uh, that's kind of what i gathered by him saying you know don't these say don't fool with me bitch yeah <laughs> which is also kind of conf- confusing because at the very like the first thing he says is god it was some other uh grammatically incorrect greeting it was like what is or something like what did he say and i can't remember now it was, it was something weird like that. But he's Spanish, so, you know. Yeah, but, like, the rest of the movie, there was no, like, everything's perfect English. And maybe he was doing that to hide his, you know, his Spanish, you know, phone identity. I do like when she says, well, where do you want me to meet you? What'd you say, bitch? That's what you said. 
I like when she calls said, him, I want to take you to a hotel. I like when she calls him amigo too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he's kind of on edge now. And then uh what they have the party. I'm trying to think what order this all happened in. I like when they're at the party though, like um like they're dancing, like McCann and Lori are dancing, and they got a bunch of people dancing around him. And she goes, Why don't you take your jacket off? And right as the song ends, he yells, Because I have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just looks at him like, Why do you have a gun? <laughs> and then five seconds later, everyone's dancing again. Nobody cares. <laughs> then he busts in on two people having sex in one of the rooms. Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he hears the woman moaning from across the from down the hallway did you watch uh <laughs> nighthawks yet not yet no okay <laughs> Freeze. I, was, I was going to but you said hold off so i did yeah <laughs> i will event uh, at some point soon yeah. we won't have time to do that for our slate of cop movies but you can watch it at your leisure it's an enjoyable watch maybe i will maybe i will so i think next is um kessler down at the uh the lab and he catches the the dude down there smoking some weed <laughs> <laughs> and uh i think he's got the tape from the obscene phone call or he, he's got some tape that they have to match up against the obscene phone call or something like that and he wants them to go put it you know, in evidence. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, he uh, he goes and steals some blood samples out of the refrigerator, and uh, he's gonna, you know, make up some evidence. He's yeah, gonna, he sneak. He sneaks into Warren's apartment right after that. What's the word I'm looking for? He's gonna plant some evidence. Yeah, plant evidence. Um, Sprinkle some crack on him. <laughs> <laughs> well then like the next day like mccann brings in the or he like he goes to talk to the same lab tech and um he's like isn't that weird like this we didn't see this blood at first on his jacket and clothes you know it seems weird that he would just you know not burn these clothes or throw them in the in the trash or like get rid of them he just put them back in his closet just like covered in blood (laughs) (laughs) and the guy's like yeah i mean it's a perfect match you know type whatever a b with uh hepatitis i mean it's clearly from that woman and then he starts like kind of like asking questions and he he realizes that kessler planted the evidence like it's Mm -hmm. fake i think that'll lead to our next clip where they have uh warren in again on because what did they bring him in on it was like they were going to charge him, but because Kessler like changed. Now it's murder one. Like I'm not sure what they were charging him with before, unless it was just the obscene phone calls. I think it. I think it was the obscene phone calls because they okay. they Cause compared the it and said, "Yeah, that's him for sure." And then um, once they found the blood matched, they're like, "All right, go ahead, get him for murder." And Kessler was just like, "Oh, he was so excited to tell about it." <laughs> Here, 
standard bail bond agreement, what it'll cost you. All I want is out. That's what we're here for. They put you in, I get you out, Mr. Danny keeps you out. What's he looking at, Dave? Did they read you your right to remain silent? Did you? Of course. Good boy. <clears throat> we plead not guilty. Demand a jury trial with their backlog. Nobody's going to pay any attention to it. Sexy phone call. I can practically guarantee you a suspended sentence. Excuse me. I'm talking to my client. Do you mind? Well, I have something more for you to talk about. We found some blood on your client's clothing. We're going to rebook a murder one. What? See you at the arraignment. You dirty shit! He's lying. There was no blood on my clothes, and he knows it! You dirty shit! He's lying! He's lying! He's lying! No! No! You dirty shit. <laughs> he's lying! Like, he's almost crying about it, too. Mm. <laughs> you know he just he's just dying to say like no i took the clothes off when i murdered him there couldn't have been blood <laughs> there was no blood on my clothes and here's why <laughs> oh i i can't remember at what point it is but there there's one point where where Warren's attorney is coaching him on how to act if they have to plead insanity. And um, it actually foreshadows what happens at the very end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have a clip of it, but like uh, whatever, whatever he's told him to do, like at the end of the movie, like he does the exact thing that his attorney told him to do. But Charles Bronson, as we'll find out, was not having it. Mm hmm. Is there there was some other mention of somebody getting off after like six months from a some sort of an insanity type plea? They were talking about a, a prior case, right? Something like that, yeah. And somebody I, I got out after six months. Kessler might have wanted to happen again. Yeah, Kessler might have mentioned that too. Is you know is you know complaints about. It used to be about what's legal now, you know, legal means loopholes, mm -hmm. you know. But you know, McCann, they're gonna put McCann on the stand to talk about the blood stains, and uh he gets a crisis of consciousness because he knows, and I think Kessler actually admits to him that he that he planted he it. That's our next clip. And uh but he suspects it because the lawyer said it to him. The lawyer says, you know, you get up there, you got to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. You know, mm -hmm. and he's like, well, yeah, I, I can't lie now, you know. Yeah, he basically finds out that Kessler planted the evidence because he goes and talks to that guy at the lab, finds out that Kessler was there the night before, like 2 a.m., and that yeah. uh, taking some blood samples and I think he suspects it very strongly, but he doesn't know for sure until Kessler's like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> what? Stacy's lawyer's putting me on the witness stand. He said Stacy was framed. 
Oh, that Dave Dante's not a lawyer, he's a shyster. He's contending that the evidence was planted. You know that to him this is one big game. If he gets Stacy off, he's won the Super Bowl. And to all the scum out there, he's a hero. Leo, I went back to the lab and I talked to the technician. And I asked him if you... And what the hell did you do that for? Why didn't you ask me? Because I was afraid you might tell me you planted those bloodstains. Yeah, well... I did. Jesus, Leo. Why? What the hell's the matter with you? What kind of a question is that? You know why. We couldn't nail them sooner or later. After counting how many more dead. He had to be stopped, and the only way to do that is to put him away. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I understand what you're saying. You want me to go into a court of law and to commit perjury? What the hell do you think he's going to do? He's going to perjure himself. He'll lie about everything he's done. Stacy's not a cop. He didn't take an oath. An oath for Jesus Christ. Would you take an oath that he's not guilty? You go in that courtroom and forget what's legal and do what's right. If I thought it was right, I'd swear to anything you say. The next scene, so, kind he of disagrees. Awkward. Yeah, the next scene is kind of awkward because they're they're starting the trial and the prosecutor's doing his opening statement and Kessler just stands up. <laughs> <laughs> then he like waves him over. Hey, come on! And then uh, he admits to the judge that they uh, that he planted the evidence, and so they have to throw the whole case out. Like they drop all the charges because they know they're fucked. They know they can't get them because, you know, it's inadmissible. And that, yeah. that's what their whole case hinges on because everything else is circumstantial. So they they just drop it. But then. Uh, does So does Bronson get suspended or fired right away? I forget. Well, that's what I, I wasn't sure if he was. I thought he got fired. It it sounded like he got fired, but then he kept running around with his gun and shit. Yeah. And like, I think he had a radio still, and uh, I think he might have still had a cherry for his car. But uh, like, it sounded like he was fired. But even if he was suspended, they should have taken his, his weapon and all that stuff away from him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Warren taunts Kessler, so Kessler... Topsy turvies that motherfucker and starts stalking Warren. <laughs> he just shows up everywhere that Warren is. And it's uh it's pretty great. Yeah, he just starts basically torturing him. He puts those pictures or so so pictures of the of his victims up at work at his place of work. Yeah, all over the, the board, yeah. What else does he do? He's following him around everywhere, but I think he set up, he like rigged up his apartment so that when he opened the door, like the lights would turn on and like the record would play. Oh, yep. Yeah, he did that. And, uh, but yeah, he's just, it's just mind games with, you know, uh, Kessler fucking with Warren, just driving him nuts. Mm -hmm. And uh, Warren, he's, he, he doesn't know what to do. But I think he decides to go kill Lori mm-hmm. is uh, like the most rational thing for him to do is just go kill the guy's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so, so his alibi this time is he going to pick up a prostitute and then get her drunk at a hotel <laughs> and sneak out the bathroom window. 
I gotta tell you, this guy's really good with alibis. Oh yeah. He's he thought that part through very well. And then like he hides his knife in like the pipe in his uh, bath like on uh the shower in his bathroom or something, or the under the sink, I forget. Yeah. Which I think he you know, I hope he remembers to put it back in there and you know, tighten it back up because he's gonna have a lot of plumbing issues if he forgets. <laughs> But oh yeah, like the I think he got the prostitute drunk, but I couldn't tell if she was dead or asleep. No, he put uh, he put like a pillow or something in her drink. Oh okay, yeah, I might have missed that part. He drugged her and she passed out right away. And Kessler's following him, and he eventually goes up to the room to look for him and finds out that he's missing. So he's a little bit behind, and. Uh, Warren busts into the fucking apartment with uh, Lori and her roommates, butt ass naked, kills uh, kills everybody but Lori, pretty much. Lori's hiding under the bed, which is a great hiding place. Apparently, he he never found her till the very end. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had other people to kill. Other people screaming. Other people in the shower. No witnesses. Yep. I think the one girl in the shower, like she was, she was good for a minute, and then like she, she thought there was uh, like a chance that he had left, and as soon as she opened that door, he just gutted her. Yeah. But yeah, Lori can't get out because her roommate's body is blocking the fucking door, <laughs> <laughs> and she ends up locking herself in the bathroom, and uh, Warren can't kick the door in. Uh, Leo's in route with. Kessler as well. Kessler's within a separate vehicle. Well, Leo's sorry, uh, McCann. McCann, uh, McCann yeah. is in a separate vehicle. Well, they hear a car outside and it spooks Warren. And uh, you think he leaves, but then, uh, but then he uh, he he ends up being hiding somewhere in the apartment. But he gets uh, attacked with a curling iron. Yeah. I just forgot about that. But he runs out the fire escape. And uh, let's see. Yeah, so Lori gets out of the front door downstairs. Warren goes out the fire escape. And then he's chasing Lori down the middle of the street. He's mm-hmm. butt-ass naked. <laughs> <laughs> There's a helicopter and Kessler are like coming from the opposite direction. And uh, Kessler cuts him off. And like one of the best like final standoffs you'll see in a movie like this. I, I will put it up there. I, I don't know what else I could put up against it, but I'm going to say this is one of the best. Bronson uh, does a heck of a job here. I mean, it's kind of predictable in it, but I mean, I mean you know what's going to happen, but Bronson, he just makes everything cool. Well, he forgets about doing what's legal and he does what's right. <laughs> sure does. So here's our last clip. McCann! Don't shoot. Get back. Get away. I tried to keep you from running loose. Now there are three more dead girls. You drove me to it. That blood on my clothes. 
There's pictures on the wall where everybody can see them. Digging into my personal life. It's my life! Those phone calls on me every minute! All those girls. You sick son of a bitch. I am sick. I am sick. I didn't know what I was doing. It's like something was happening and I couldn't control myself. Why else would I kill girls I don't even know? It's like I'm two different people. I hear voices telling me what to do. Once it begins, I can't stop. So go ahead. Arrest me. Take me in. You can't punish me. I'm sick. You can't punish me for being sick. All you can do is lock me up. But not forever. One day I'll get out. One day they'll get out. That's the law. That's the law. That's the law. And I'll be back. I'll be back. You'll hear from me. You and the whole fucking world. Oh, no, we won't. Drop some. Is pretty much everything is attorney caution to say. I'm sick. I'm like two different people. I hear voices mm-hmm. in my head. It's like I'm a totally different person. You know, all that shit was coached up earlier in the movie. <laughs> but like the the best part, yeah. No, you won't. <laughs> you know, he could have waited for the justice system to fail before he killed him. Give justice a chance. Well, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he did, and they killed the guy. Killed three more women. So he's like, yeah, "That's it. I'm done." The sad thing is uh, that Kessler will probably go to jail for the rest of his life for killing Warren. Mm-hmm. Then again, I don't know. Maybe cops look out for each other, and they'll just, you know. Uh, Warren, did Warren reach for the guy's gun? Like he was resisting arrest for sure. It could be like the end of seven. And the cops are like, oh, he'll get the help he needs. Or it'll be like a crime of passion type of thing. Yeah. I could Maybe see. Be that. Like, is there some sort of a aggravated manslaughter <laughs> type charge? <laughs> yeah, it's called murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that, but I figured there's got to be something. Some bullshit uh, charge they're gonna give him, so he doesn't get murdered one or two. Wow, I yeah, I don't know, or maybe they're just like, oh, that guy did kill five women, so justifiable homicide. But uh, yeah, definitely a uh, a uh, movie that questions the legal system in a way that. Uh, it's kind of reverse of how it's usually questioned. Usually it's like, are the cops too dirty that they're, you know, um, well, not un- in the eighties unfairly targeting these criminals. And uh, this movie says, well, fuck the criminals. <laughs> we need more, you know, dirty cops to put these fuckers away. <laughs> in the eighties, they're always skirting the rules in these cop movies. And that's how we got to how we got to. <laughs> I don't know. That's what they said last year, but yeah, I think it's more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a lot of fun. It's yeah, solid movie, enjoyable movie, and uh, 
great finish. Just amazing finish. I don't think we've been giving ratings for our last couple of cop movies. So we should start doing that again in these specific movies. I mean, we always like the movies we're talking about, but I'd yeah. give this one it eventually. I agree with that. Eventually. I think training day, I would say soonish. Yeah, I'm kind of in between on that one. I think, I don't know, maybe I'd go soonish, but. I think Denzel is so good in it that uh, he puts it over the top. Yeah. Um, What was the one we did before that? Um, It's one that I picked. (laughs) I forget now. (laughs) I just did it like a month ago. Oh, boy. 48 hours. Give that one eventually. Yeah, I would say eventually on that one. I should know because we kind of mentioned it earlier, kind of in a roundabout way. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to do the rookie next. And that'll do it for our slate of cop movies. But uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get into some more fun facts? No, I don't think so. But, uh, you know, we're doing the rookie just in time for baseball season to really kick up. (laughs) <laughs> i was like wait a second am i forgetting something in the rookie that is really to baseball and i'm like oh wait the other the rookie movie oh oh that's right we're doing the good one <laughs> we're gonna do the good the rookie <laughs> clean eastwood and charlie sheen it'll be fun charlie sheen acts the same way in this in the in the rookie which is Presumably a serious movie, as he does in like uh, the um, Hot Shots, Hot Shots movies. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. You want to get into the trivia? Yeah. Hey, everybody! Here's some fun facts. So Charles Bronson had plastic surgery in order to make himself look young enough to play Leo Kessler. Bronson was 61 years of age when he appeared in this movie. Honestly, I don't think I would would have known the difference. Like he looks every bit of sixty one. Yeah. Although like he looks maybe like an eighties sixty one, so maybe like maybe instead of looking like seventy five, he looks sixty one with the plastic surgery. Yeah. He should have dyed his hair if he wanted to look younger. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun fact. Uh I was kind of wondering about this myself, but uh it says Title doesn't mean anything and uh, has nothing really to do with the movie. It's most likely not literal at all. It's relating to the particular times of, you know, 1150. Sorry, let me me repeat that. It's most likely not literal, i.e. relating to the particular times of 1150 and 12 a.m. Instead, 10 to midnight refers to having a relatively short short amount of time to take care of something before it's too late. In this case, catching the killer. The end of the movie is a race against time to stop him. That's true. Well, they had more time than um, Iron Maiden did. Iron Maiden only had two minutes to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of mentioned this earlier. The film was made in 1982, two years before DNA started to be used in criminal investigations. So 1984 is earlier than I would have 
guessed for DNA being used yeah. in criminal investigations. I thought it was because I thought, like, I know it was available in the early 90s, but I thought like OJ was one of the big, like, the first major cases to kind of use DNA evidence. That's what I thought too. Maybe it was the first, like, big, big mainstream case where they used it. I don't know how, you know, maybe they used it just, uh, you know, sparingly before that mm-hmm. um so i would have suspected like you know 91 92 would have kind of been the start of dna but i guess it, not i think after oj is when they really started the media blitz of how effective dna evidence is because one of the in addition to the procedural stuff that got oj off one of the just most mind-boggling things that his attorney team was able to do was have their expert come convince the jury that a like 99.8 percent uh like uh chance that it was accurate was you know uh reasonable enough to doubt the accuracy of the dna match Mm -hmm. Like that 0.2% or whatever, however small it was, was enough reasonable doubt that the DNA might not be OJ's. Hmm. Here's a fun fact. <laughs> this is a funny one. The original script also called for Leo Kessler to wrestle Warren Stacy down to the ground in their final confrontation. But <laughs> Bronson wasn't getting that up close and personal with a naked Gene Davis. He looked over at J. Lee Thompson and said, uh, miss me with that gay shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing it. (laughs) Take it out. Miss me with that gay shit. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could do a Bronson impression. I really wish I could do pretty much like any impressions. Yeah, like to have even just like a couple in your stable would be, you know, so much better for the show. (laughs) I I attempt them, but I know I'm not good. Although we mentioned the Midnight Movie Cowboys earlier, Hunter Dusing does like some of the best impressions. Like his Clint Eastwood was so fucking great. They did an episode (laughs) on a Clint Eastwood uh, uh, movie a few, uh, maybe a month or so ago. Yeah, they got some decent uh, impressions on that show. It's hilarious. Those guys are great. And they're they're picking up their pace too. So if you're looking for a movie podcast in the meantime while we're kind of mm-hmm. you know churning away uh less frequently, uh, go check those guys out. Yeah, they got a new one every week. <laughs> I like this uh, tidbit. Actor Gene Davis, who plays the killer, spends a lot of time naked in this movie. <laughs> Four of 11 found this interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's just an observation. It's not trivia. (laughs) Some some insider knowledge. Maybe he he must have put it in the wrong section. He should have put it in the parental section. Uh, so this is one of two Charles Bronson cinema movie vehicles that film critic Roger Ebert gave a zero stars rating. The other was Death Wish 2. Mm. Ten to Midnight arguably got the worst review with Ebert's opening sentence calling the film 
a scummy little sewer of a movie. <laughs> God, Roger Ebert uh, needs to get a better taste in movies. Here's another fun fact. <laughs> After attending a screening of the film, producer Poncho Coner took Charles Bronson and his wife Jill Ireland to a trendy sushi restaurant to celebrate. During the dinner, Coner noticed that Bronson was quiet and seemed, seemed down. Thinking Bronson didn't like the film, Coner told him to cheer up and that it was a good film. Bronson told him that it wasn't the film. It was just that he hated sushi. <laughs> and quiche. <laughs> Coleslaw makes me sick. <laughs> I thought it was a pie. <laughs> Gene Davis portraying serial killer Warren Stacy was so into his role and acting so intensely that he actually dislocated an actress's arm during the final murder and massacre sequence. Jeez. He really took it to heart, man. I mean, that dude did a great job. Like, he was so convincing. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun fact. Uh, the film was inspired by real-life cases. The first was Richard Speck's murders of eight student nurses. The second was when a Scotland Yard investigator got fired from his job for planting evidence to convict a Tim's River killer. And it turned out to be that the killer committed three murders before being convicted. The third case is that is that of Ted Bundy, to whom the actor playing the killer, Gene Davis, bears a striking resemblance, and that Bundy murdered young and beautiful women. He was good looking and drove a Volkswagen Beetle. Says here, Cannon sold the film's premiere television rights for the then unheard of amount of two point five million. I find that hard to believe, but although I mean, maybe they're thinking HBO or something. So I'm just thinking in terms of network TV. How do you show half of this movie? Well, he's naked this, when he's killing everybody. This would have been around the time cable was coming out, so it might be something yeah. that they would put on cable. Yeah, so I'm thinking like HBO was was already around for several years. Maybe they bought it. You know, there's no UHF channels that have that kind of a budget. Right. Uh, when Mrs. Bird, the office manager, announces to Betty's coworkers, Betty's dead. <laughs> the music in the background is the same that would later be used in the Terminator during the police station massacre. So you might have to look out for that next time you watch the Terminator. So the script for Ten to Midnight called for Warren Stacy's character to appear nude in many scenes. Gene Davis, who portrayed the naked killer, wanted to break the ice with his co-stars and get the awkwardness out of the way before they began shooting by walking around set naked. But Lisa Eilbacher, who portrays Lori Kessler, uh, was the one holdout. She refused to look at his penis. So Davis went ahead and tied a red bow around it to draw her attention. <laughs> No wonder we haven't heard of him since. <laughs> <laughs> he really got into his role. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. I wonder whose arm he dislocated. It doesn't say specifically whose. But um, I think we've kind of uh, run into each other on the um, yeah the trivia here. But, oh, boy, what a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. It's on HBO Max right now, but I don't know how much longer it's going to be on there. Yeah. I think it might be leaving in June. But um, 
yeah check it out if you haven't seen it it's a fun one why don't you uh tell the folks at home about teespring and your podcast yeah um teespring i gotta look into that because i think they changed their urls they're not teespring anymore they're just spring huh um so i gotta look into that but if you want merch and the old URLs not working, teespring.com slash stores slash WTM watch this movie, uh, hit us up either on Twitter or email and uh, we can get you that new link. Also, once I figure it out, I'll put it on our Twitter bios and stuff like that too. But like our merch is still out there. I think you can still get to it. I just, I think they might've changed the, the stores URL. Um, but we have all kinds of stuff, t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, stickers, all kinds of shit. Bunch of different designs, bunch of different colors, uh, variations of our, our main logo. So, you know, hit that up if you want to support the show. And then um, if you want to hear more of me with other people, and we did a couple episodes with Eric too, but check out the Positively Wolfy podcast where you'll find unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. Allegedly. Allegedly real news. Because it sounds fake, but it's not. And uh, we don't know what we're talking about. It's just, we just kind of bullshit. You know, we, we, we go through three stories on every episode and, uh, you know, we, we kind of see where that takes us. Uh, but um, it's a lot of fun. Lots of laughs. If you love to laugh, check out the Positively Wolfly podcast. Indeed. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. You can follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or Brett at PositivelyWolf1. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case.